isn't God awesome? Well, before uh, I get into what I'm going to teach and preach, Brother Samuel has a timely ten, so let's get behind him in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Ooh, it is always nerve-wracking being up here, and it doesn't get any easier. I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, a good evening to you all uh, tonight. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be uh, ministering to you all tonight. I give glory to God above all, and I honor Bishop and the pastoral team for allowing me to, to speak to you all tonight. I'll be referencing a few different verses tonight, but my main uh, one is going to be uh, Genesis 1, starting at verse 1. And I'll be reading out of the NKJV and NLT and doing a little bit back and forth. Uh, but to start it off, uh, Genesis 1-1 reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So for just a few moments, I want to talk with you all about having confidence in Christ. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us out of your abundance. You didn't have to, but you did. Prepare our hearts and our minds for your word, and use me as you see fit tonight. In your holy name of Jesus, amen. So firstly, I'd like to preface my message by defining what confidence I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a superficial, skin-deep form of confidence, but... A bold kind of confidence that starts as a realization of one's need for God and leads to the placing of one's ultimate trust unto God. In a lot of ways, confidence is like faith. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And equally, you can place your confidence in something like you do with faith. And I'm here tonight to encourage you all to have a confidence in God because he's never failed us. Amen? So firstly, I want to talk about being confident in his creation. From the first words of the Bible, we have the most fundamental lesson we could possibly have in this finite lifetime, just coming from the words, in the beginning, God created. All right, all right. If we truly examine these words, we can come across this extremely revelatory truth, which is God is real and everything comes from him. The fullness of everything that we see comes from God first saying, let there be. Yeah. This is the God that we serve. The greatest confidence we can gain from creation is fully understanding that all of what we see is a product of God's words. Yeah. Yeah. So be confident in God's creation. Nothing is made without purpose, and that includes all of us here and everyone else in the world. God creates out of his fullness, and specifically us we're made beautifully and wonderfully in his image. So have confidence in God that he not only made all things, but he made them exactly as they were supposed to be. Amen? Secondly, be confident in his word and the conversations you have with God. The first conversation that God recorded was about creation. His, worst, his word stands leagues above any form of literature we could ever produce. The Bible can prove itself within the contents of its own books. And one big reason is about 27% of the Bible is prophetic, prophecy. Both about things which have taken place already and things that will take place. 
and it's believed that Jesus performed anywhere from 300 to 450 prophecies in his lifetime. It's also believed that there are, anywhere, that, uh, there are even more prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. Oh, yeah. wow. And if you don't believe that, look it up. Show yourself approved. <laughs> God's not a man that he should lie. God made his word as a source for us because it's lovely, it's infallible, and it points to a conversation God has been having with his people since the dawn of time. When you read the word, it's like viewing a conversation history of God and his people. So have confidence in that. It's not just words from a man, but it's inspired word. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. And I personally believe that this is because everything was made when God said, let there be. All that we see was created inside the will of God. So when you're confused about life and everything that goes on in it, talk to God. He's there for us to converse with. And it would be unwise to not talk to him whenever we're going through everything that we're going through. James 1.23 talks about a man who hears the word but doesn't do it. And how that man is like someone who looks at his reflection, walks away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so, too, is someone that forgets the conversations he has with God. So I encourage you, be confident in his word. Be confident in the conversations you have with him. And let them hold value in your life. Because they'll get you through the darkest times you go through. Be confident in where God has placed you. If you want to be a better preacher, a better teacher, a better believer of God, start with more confidence in who he is and what he does. God places you, so anchor down in it. Look at Job. This man had his whole lifestyle as a shepherd going for him. He was wealthy. He had a big family, lots of land, wealth. And a lot of us want to stay there, myself included. Um, but as we know, that's not always how our walk with God goes. Job goes on to lose his family his livestock, and a lot else. And he's presented with a chance to curse God and die. He's not done anything wrong. He hasn't rebelled against God in any sort of way. He's simply following the path that God set before him with all his heart. And his life gets wrecked. And somehow Job musters up the strength to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So I wholeheartedly believe that it's because Job had confidence in God, where God was leading Job. Sure, Job had questions. We all have questions. Yet he decided to stick with this walk because he had confidence knowing that God knew what he was doing, where he was leading us. So don't let yourself overthink. I get it. I'm a big overthinker myself. But don't overthink on these things. Have confidence in where God's taking you. When he speaks to you, he's telling you the truth because he is truth. And when you know truth, you can have confidence in it and follow it. Lastly, be confident in your personal cross. Luke 9, 23 says, Then he said unto them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. When you analyze this verse, you can learn that it's important to deny our own nature because the truth of the matter is humanity is flawed. Our nature is so messed up since the beginning of everything that we become our own undoing, and then we have the audacity to blame God about it. God has given us gifts over time, and yet we turn them into traps. God gave us intimacy between man and a woman, and we made sex trafficking. 
He gave us shelter and we became runaways. He gave us medicine and we made drugs. He gave us food and we became gluttons. He gave us wealth and we became gamblers. He gave us freedom and we chose to leave his presence. He gave us the abilities and we made ourselves idols. He gave us the word to know him and we criticized its origin. Yet knowing all the humanity, all the evil that we would commit, God still completely speaks, or confidently, excuse me, he still confidently speaks creation into being. Knowing that there would be people who reject him, knowing that there would be people who mocked him, knowing that there would be people who spat in his face and everything that he stood for, yet he still died for you and me because he had confidence in us. So place your confidence in him for he first had confidence in us. Romans eleven thirty six tells us, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All things can bring glory to God when you allow God into your heart and when you confidently walk in that. It doesn't mean things will be perfect. It means I'm going to bring God glory in this. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, even when my heart is broken, even when my mind is clouded, I will have confidence that God's my savior, that he's my provider, that he's my way out. He's my light in the darkness. He's my rest in the storm, and he's my strength in my weaknesses. Amen? This is why we got to choose to be confident in who he is, who he made us to be, and where he leads us. Because although he has every reason to condemn us straight to hell, he gives us a way to heaven each and every day. So as the sons of Korah said at the end of Psalm 48, for this is God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. So take a minute, take now, take tomorrow, take the rest of this week, take the rest of this month, the rest of this year, every time that you can think free for yourself and rejoice in who he is and have confidence for who he is because he is creator of all things and he And he first had confidence in us. Amen. Let's clap your hands and rejoice for him. Love you. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. I enjoyed that timely 10. Amen. Appreciate these young men. Amen. How many of you love the word of God? All right. Well, I'm going to direct our attention to Psalm 119 and uh, verse 33 through verse 40, the uh, fifth stanza. We're going to take a look there together at something. Now, this month uh, continues to be a, a theme of prayer, and tonight's message, of course, will, will also uh, be related to that. Amen. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline mine heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant. Who is devoted to thy fear? Turn away my reproach which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. For just a few moments, I want to title this, Give Me Life. 
Praise God. Amen. Well, we've already prayed, so I'm just going to dive right in. Is that all right in Jesus' name? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Well, a uh, quick brief history lesson, and uh, maybe you might remember part of this from history class when you were in school. But on March 23rd, 1775, in a speech which he made to the Second Virginia Convention, Patrick Henry concluded that speech with these famous words, Give me liberty or give me death. His speech stirred patriots, parishioners, and politicians, encouraging them to fight for freedom against a tyrannical king. Many of these revolutionaries would give the last full measure of devotion, dying to preserve liberty from tyranny for generations to come. They would be hated and hunted by those who claimed they were rebels, and yet their sacrifice would give birth to the United States of America. Now the psalmist equally lived in troublesome times and may have written Psalm 119 when Israel had lost her independence to the pagan nations who hated her. Whatever the historical backdrop to this psalm was, this much is sure, it would test the psalmist's resolve for God. Amen. I don't think I have to ask. I think it's a rhetorical question. Uh, we've probably been few, through a few things, haven't we? But how many of you know that uh, we don't always look like what we've been through? Amen. Amen. Because God brings us through and He does a really good job of protecting us. Well, the lyrics of this fifth stanza reveal what the psalmist did to strengthen his resolve in order for him to persevere through the difficulties and dangers that were attempting to overwhelm him. As Brother Sam just preached, he, he needed some confidence and he would find it in the Scripture and in what we're going to see in just a few moments. The psalmist's words are, of course, relevant to us today. How many of you know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's still profitable for us. And it'll help us, it'll correct us, it'll rebuke us, it'll, it'll teach us, it'll instruct us. Amen? Praise God. So regardless of whether your personal uh, situation is, is just for you, or, or it is related to some broader thing, like a, a national type of uh, a situation, we can learn from the things the psalmist said and did. Because the same God that heard and answered his prayer, hears and answers our prayers. Amen. Now, the way may be challenging, but the Bible says in both Old and New Testaments that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. That's, that's, a never, that's an absolute, by the way, never. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that in my darkest moment, he's still there. I'm thankful in my deepest valley, he's still there. I'm thankful on the highest peak I've ever ascended, he's still there. I'm thankful that if I make my bed in hell, he's there. Amen. Amen. I, I cannot go where he is not. Amen. And I'm thankful that he's with me always. So, let me first talk about wholehearted endurance. And if you're wondering how this is going to tie into prayer, just hang on. Trust me. I have the map. We're going to get to the destination. <laughs> 
wholehearted endurance. The, the verses 33 through 35 of this stanza give the sense of serving God with his whole heart. And verse 34 would be the verse that might capture that. He says, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. I think it's seven times in this psalm that phrase is used with my whole heart. The psalmist asks God to teach him and to give him understanding. He, he wants God to lead him. He wants God to direct him. These are prayer requests, by the way. When he says, teach me, O Lord, it's a prayer request. When he says, give me understanding, it's a prayer request. When he says, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, those are his prayer requests. He's saying, God, I want to serve you. I want to do your will. Amen. He, he commits himself to serving God and keeping God's word to the end, obeying it with his whole heart, delighting himself in the path that God leads him down. The more that we learn God's word, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth, the more we'll be able to endure to the end wholeheartedly. You know, the longer I live for God, the harder it becomes for me to, to walk away from Him. Because I've come too far. I've seen too much. And, and eternity is too, too beautiful to spend with Him and, 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 and or uh, too de devastating to spend without Him. And so I, I don't want to give up now. Because, because I've seen him do too much. And I, and I know he's still a good God. And I, I know that my problem hasn't dethroned him. Amen. Amen. The more that we walk with God in the path that he directs us in, the more we will delight in him and his word. Amen. By the way, you become like those who you spend the most time with. So... If you're spending that time wisely with the Word, guess who you're going to become like? Jesus. Right? The Bible talks about us maturing into the fullness of the stature and the measure of Christ. Well, how do we do that? We've never seen Jesus, right? Maybe you've seen you know, a dream and a vision, but, but how do we see Him? Right here, in His Word. Again, Sam brought it out tonight. In the beginning, God, His Word he spoke it and boom, it happened, right? It, it became, that's how we know him. And so as we read his word, we become like him. Amen. So wholehearted endurance. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give in. I know God has promises yet to come. Prophecies yet to come. I want to be around for when they happen. Amen. All right. So the second thing is, there's an aspect of turning away from and turning to something. And that's seen in verses 36, 39, and 40. So watch, watch these verses. If you've got your Bibles open, take a look with me. Verse 36, he, again, it's another kind of prayer request. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Sam talked about how, how, how you know, God has made all this beauty and, and, and we've perverted it. 
And so what he's saying is, God, I want to get back to, to the beauty. Incline my heart to thy testimonies. The testimonies, by the way, are the works of God, which testify to his character. And so he's saying, God, I want to get back to the beauty of who you are and not to covetousness. In other words, I want to celebrate when my neighbor gets blessed. And not covet and say, well, why didn't I get mine? Right? Then, verse 39, turn away my reproach, which I fear. Now another prayer request comes, God. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not a perfect man. I know I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your judgments are good, so Lord, turn away my reproach. I don't want that to become who I am. I don't want that to be in the record, Lord. Your judgments are good. He knows he's been forgiven, but he also remembers what he did. Okay, in verse 40, behold, I have longed after thy precepts, quicken me in thy righteousness. The psalmist recognizes my righteousness is as filthy rags. If I'm not, quicken means to be made alive. If I'm not made alive in his righteousness, I have nothing. So let, let's take a little bit deeper word. The word incline, let's go back to verse 36 for a minute. Incline there means cause me to long for. He knows that it is not his natural ability to, to long for God. So he wants God to put something within him to long for God, right? He needs God to create that longing within him. He doesn't just want to serve God out of duty, but out of relationship. So the psalmist wants God's help to cause him to long for his word. He repeats this desire for God's help in the final verse when he says, Behold, I long for your precepts. By the way, did you know that the antidote to coveting is contentment? And did you know that contentment is a learned behavior? Let me show it to you. Philippians 4.11. Somebody turn your Bible. Philippians 4.11. Okay. I'm going I'm to try to quote it here. I'm not a quizzer. I'm going to try. Okay? Philippians 4.11. It, it says something about that if you need to be content, you come to an altar and the preacher lays his hands on you and anoints you and you receive contentment, right? Oh, must be the wrong Bible I was looking in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the not inspired version. <laughs> right? Okay, so, so is this the verse where Paul says, I have learned whatever state I am therein to be content? Notice, contentment is a learned. How do you learn something except you'll go through something? Right? I remember the first time I drove a forklift. I had to learn. I had to train. And, and the first time it was a little iffy, you know, and woo, and the tines go up, and woo, they go down. And, and it was weird because it had one wheel in the back, and it was strange turning that thing. But the more I worked on it, you know what I'm talking about, Brother Schuyler, right? Okay? I became more adverse to it. I learned how to operate. Contentment is the same way. It's not something you're just going to come to the altar and in the name of Jesus receive thou contentment. Pooh, wow, I'm content now. Great, hallelujah. No, it's going to be going through something 
and able to say, I'm content whether I've got plenty or, or nothing. I'm content whether I'm rich or poor. Right? So contentment is the antidote to coveting. Now, turning away from sin is good. Remember I said that this part here is, is a turning away but a turning to aspect? Here's where a lot of people fail. They turn away from stuff, but they never turn toward God. Let me say it another way. They empty themselves of bad and, and covetousness and sin, but they don't really fill up with God. Right? And so what he's saying here, I want to turn toward you, God. I, I want to devote myself wholly to you. The psalmist prayed for God to establish His Word in him. Obedience to the law, to the letter of the law, is legalism. But voluntary, uh, voluntarily conforming your hearts and your lives to the will of God, to His Holy Spirit, that's true godliness, that's true holiness. And that's the spirit of separation. I'm separated from sin, but unto God. Does that make sense? And so the psalmist was like, God, I don't just want to turn from these things, but I want to turn towards you. What used to fill my heart, covetousness, sin, reproach, I now want your word to fill my heart. So incline my heart. Does that make sense? I used to long for these evil things. Now I, I long for righteous things. Quicken me. In other words, make me alive in thy righteousness, Lord. In other words, the psalmist here recognizes that outside of God, he's dead. Long before there's a Calvary, long before God has become flesh, long before there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit after the ascension and, 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 and or excuse me, the resurrection and ascension of Christ, the psalmist kind of understood, without God, I'm dead. Quicken me. Make me alive in your righteousness. He realized that the sum total of all of his goodness was filthy rags. Isn't that the true spirit of separation? Isn't that the desire that the born-again believer has to separate from and to, from the world and to God? Amen. Now, let's take a look at another aspect of this. It goes from death to life, kind of spinning off of that quickening aspect. Look at verse 37 and 38 and verse 40 with me here. Turn away my eyes from beholding vanity and quicken, or make me alive, quicken thou me in Thy way, not my way, thy way. Again, this is a prayer request, right? Verse 18, establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted unto thy fear. Establish there is, is to be founded upon, to be built upon. Verse 40, behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. So both in verse 37 and verse 40, he's, he's prayed to be made alive. Made alive in God's way, made alive in God's righteousness. Now, Patrick Henry again said, give me liberty or, or give me death. And, and we understand what he was saying. He was saying, I'd rather die free than, than to live bound. 
But what, what the psalmist understood, though, was if I have life in Christ, whether I'm free or bound, I'm free. That's why Paul could write the book of Philippians, the most beautiful book about joy, from a prison cell, from a dark place. Amen. He wants life. To be quickened is to be restored to life or health. And the psalmist realized that God is the source of life. The psalmist's desire was to turn away from the vanity of his present life to behold the invaluable beauty of eternity, and it compelled him to further devote himself to God. Let me tell you something. Anytime I start looking on this level down here, this horizontal level, and I see the wickedness and evildoers waxing worse and crime and politicians and all that, I just begin to lift up my head because the beauty of what's yet to come, those prophecies, Brother Sam, on yet fulfilled, unyet uh, uh, accomplished. Uh, when I begin to look up, uh, something begins to happen within me and know, hey, it's going to get a lot better. Yeah. Amen. The increased knowledge and understanding of God's word leads or led the psalmist to faithful obedience. And his faithful obedience led him to hate sin. This hatred of sin leads him to desire more knowledge and understanding of God. And the cycle just keeps repeating itself. The closer he gets to God, the further he gets from that. The more he wants of God, the less he wants of that. It just becomes this ongoing uh, uh, cycle. Now here's something interesting too. <laughs> the word quicken, one of its definitions, I looked it up, can mean to live forever. Ah, so the psalmist is like, Lord, I know this ain't the end. Now, he's talking, writing, living, thinking before Calvary. But I believe through those, you know, Old Testament's Christ concealed, right? New Testament, Christ revealed. Through that, you know, glass darkly, I think he got a glimpse of something to come. And he, it was like he was reaching through time. Just like we're reaching through time, if you will, to say, God, we're ready. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We want those jasper walls and pearly gates and crystal sea. We want your presence, right? I think the psalmist was kind of looking ahead. Lord, I know something's going to happen. I want to be quickened. I want to live forever. Now, I also know this because many other psalms and some psalmists that are known, such as David and Asaph and others, recognize this and they use the same terminology and they talk about dwelling forever with God in the land of living. You'll see that phrase repeated a few times in the Psalms. They had an understanding, a, a prophetical inclination that there's more than just this life. Right? You ever heard that phrase, all you have to do is live, die, and pay taxes, right? You ever, anybody ever heard that phrase? It's kind of an old cliched phrase, right? You know, the, the psalmist recognized, it ain't, that ain't life. It ain't get, get to 73 and then, you know, die and, and have a funeral. There's got to be more. And I think he realizes, oh, God, quicken me. And, and how did he know that? Because the more he got in the Word, Amen. the more the Word got in him. Oh, oh, my Lord. It's as if the psalmist is able to peer behind the lens of prophecy. Anybody ever been to a 
concert, I don't care. It can be Christian or, or country or worldly, I don't care. You've been to a concert, right? Has, there, has pretty much everybody in the room been to some kind of a concert? Sort of, maybe, kind of, okay? All right. How many have had a backstage pass to meet the performers? Anybody? Is anybody, anybody online? Wave online, you know, if you're on there, put your thumbs up or something. You have? You've had a backstage pass? Really? That's cool. First person I've ever met. That's, that's awesome. You know, I won't ask who it was in case it was in your past. Right? Shannon and I, our first date was a Michael W. Smith concert in which uh, DC Talk was the opening uh, group, man. And, oh, that was pretty cool. That was, that was, and it was at the Powell Symphony Hall. That was interesting, too. Powell, you know, a symphony hall, and yet these rappers, it just, that, that was kind of weird, awkward, you know. I love symphony. I love orchestra, but here you had these. Anyway. I never got to meet him, though. You, you've heard me kind of use this analogy, too. You know, I, I do like uh, the Patriots, you know. And, but, you know, Bill Belichick has never called me. Bob Kraft has never called me, invited me to Foxborough, and asked me to sit in the, in the owner's box with him because I'm a good fan. Right? I've not got a backstage past any concert I've been to. But I've peered through the lens of prophecy and met Jesus on every page. And the psalmist was able to see some things and desire them and want them. I've read Revelation 21 and 22 about that great beautiful city oh, that's likened unto his bride. And, and I long for it and I want it and I can't wait to see it. The psalmist felt the same thing. Amen. Now, if you were to just look at this stanza... And, and, oh, if you've got your Bibles open, take a look with me here. L I'm just going to read the first word of a couple of verses. Verse 33, teach me. Verse 34, give me. Uh, verse 35, make me. Um, uh, verse 37, and, uh, you know, quicken thou me. And 40, quicken me. Those, just out of context, can appear arrogant. And sometimes our prayer is like that, isn't it? Give me, bless me, heal me, help me, right? But sometimes our prayers are praying that like the psalmist because there's more to it. And if all I hear you say is make me, help me, bless me, teach me, heal me, then if I don't know the context of your prayer, I might think, oh, Brother Manny's being pretty, you know, arrogant over there. Man, it's just all about him tonight. But if I hear many say, make me, and let, let's take a, or teach me rather, look at verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it. If I hear him praying that, now I realize, oh, it's, it's not so much arrogant, is it? Yeah, it sounds it at the beginning, but there's, there's a reason he wants God to teach him. Is that making sense? And so the, the, the full context draws out the greater meaning of these prayer requests. He didn't want his heart inclined unto God, so he gets a, you know, a seat next to Jesus, so to speak. You know, like the, the Sons of Thunder's mom wanted them to, you know, one on the right and one on the left. It wasn't that. It was inclined my heart because I just want to know you more. I want to understand you more. I want to draw closer to you. Give me, verse 34, understanding. It's not just give me. 
with an open-ended check here, God. Sign the name on the bottom and let me go to the bank and cash it. No, it's give me understanding and I shall keep. In other words, he's asking for something, but he's committing to something. I want to use that understanding so that I keep or obey or guard your law. And observe it or do it or practice it with my whole heart. Verse 35, he's not just saying, make me and, you know, make me a millionaire or make me beautiful or, or whatever. You know, he's saying, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. For therein, therein what? Therein the commandments do I delight. That's why the Apostle John could write and say that the commandments of God are not burdensome. They're not grievous. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. These phrases, as they become our heartfelt prayer requests and our desires, then what will happen, because we're on this side of Calvary, our relationship with Jesus Christ will blossom. And the fruit born from a closer relationship with Jesus will provide hope and healing to others. The reason I want to get closer to Jesus is not so I can just bottle it up and keep it all to myself. It's so that others can benefit. Does that make sense? Now, I had my notes all typed and ready to this point, and I felt the Spirit impress me to go dig deeper into the fifth letter. As you've noticed in the last couple of services, last week and then Sunday, I talked a little bit about the depth of some of the Hebrew letters, right? Psalm 119 is an acrostic. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. This is the fifth letter, He, uh, H-E or H-E-H, right? It comprises three parts representing thought, speech, and action. And if you look at the symbol... It, it, it looks like, you know, this almost like an N. You've got one line going up, you've got this little dash at the top, and another line going down. And so those three represent uh, thought, speech, and action. Kind of like, let there be, and there was. By the way, yet again tonight, you can see, I didn't tell Sam what to preach. He didn't know what I was preaching. But the Lord is connecting them. And so, within that letter is thought, speech, and action. And here's how the Jews see the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, okay? Now, I'm going to go back for a minute and, and read you the, the take-home truth. This is going to be the quote that goes out tonight on, on social media. The fruit born from a closer relationship with Jesus will provide hope and healing to others. Now, let me explain the fifth letter. The simple truth is that the Jews view this letter as an obligation to bring the eternal God into the physical world. When they live such a life that this eternal, invisible, great, almighty God is brought into the physical life, He is revealed. Well, isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? As we pray that, as we pray like the psalmist, teach me, not just so I can say I've got a master's degree now, but teach me so that the master leads me and others benefit, make me, quicken me, incline me, all of these things. When, they're, when, they're, when the context of those prayers are added, it's because I want others to be blessed. That's exactly what the fifth letter means. It's bringing an otherwise invisible God into reality to people to see. It's, it's why some say Christians are the only Bible some people will ever read. So again, the fruit born from a closer relationship with Jesus will provide hope and healing to others. I wonder if for the last few minutes, it's 7.50, I wonder for the last just few minutes here if we could pray the Lord's Prayer. If you want to look it up, it's in Matthew 6. starts at verse 9. I'll just, I'll just quickly run through it real quick. Our Father, we know who that is, that's Jesus, right? Who art in heaven, we know where he reigns from. Hallowed be thy name, we know his name. I mean, you could pray almost 20 minutes just there on, on the revelation of who he is. Verse 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I wonder if we could take just a few moments and pray this tonight and, and pray that we would bring Jesus to the world. That we would be the Jesus that our coworkers and neighbors would see. That tonight our youth, when, when they're at the hotel, when, when they're at the restaurants, would, would be the example to show Jesus. That our quizzers, when they're uh, there, would do the same. That when we're on vacation, we would do the same. Hallelujah. Can we do that right now? Lord Jesus, we pray. We know you're our Father. We know, oh God, you're the everlasting Father. Hallelujah. You are our advocate and Father, Jesus. And so we come to you right now and we pray not just for ourselves, not for our own benefit, that, but that whatever we do pray would be to help bring you to others. And we know, oh God, that you reign supreme in the heavens and on earth. We know that you are far above all principality and power and dominion and might and every name is name in this world and in the world to come. And everything is under your feet, Lord. And everything is under our feet because you've exalted us with you in heavenly places and you have put things under our feet and so lord we de declare hallowed be your name we thank you for the revelation of your name we thank you for the revelation of your word jesus we lift you up and exalt you tonight over our homes over our finances over our families over our community god we exalt your name jesus over our world over our situations and circumstances. Hallowed be your name. It's high and lifted up. It's glorious and true. We exalt it over every sickness and 
disease. We exalt your name, Jesus, over everything that we go through and face. We declare your name, Jesus, in the cities that we're reaching out to in Blair and Norfolk, Nebraska City. We, we declare your name, Jesus, there. We declare your name in future places where we will plant churches, oh God. We declare it in Jesus' name. We pray thy kingdom come. We don't want a castle. We don't want just a, 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 a one single place, but we want your kingdom to come for it's unshakable. It's unstoppable. Hallelujah. Thy will be done in earth, that your will be done here as it is in heaven, Lord. We know there's no fear in heaven, so in Omaha as it is in heaven. Oh God, in Blair as it is in heaven. In Norfolk as it is in heaven. In Nebraska City as it is in heaven. In the Omaha Metro as it is in heaven. Oh God, in our homes as it is in heaven. On our jobs as it is in heaven, in our schools as it is in heaven, in the political realm as it is in heaven, in governments as it is in heaven. Oh God, we worship you tonight and declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We, you know what we need. Feed us with the manna of your word. Sustain us. Fill us. Complete us. Oh God, give us this day our daily bread. God, help us to go into the word knowing that it will sustain us. Knowing that, Lord, it will do what we need. And as we obey it, we can expect to receive the promises that are therein. Give us this day our daily bread. And Lord Jesus, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that have uh, sinned against us, those that have trespassed against us. Lord, help us to be uh, reconcilers. Help us to be forgivers. Oh, Jesus, you've forgiven us of so much, and we thank you. And help us to pay it forward and forgive others in Jesus' name. Lord, lead us not into temptation. If left to ourselves, God, we would probably return to the vomit and the sin that you brought us out of. So lead us, God, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh, God, we live in a world that is overcome by evil, that celebrates evil, that worships evil. So help us, God, as we go through that it doesn't come off on us, that it doesn't wear off on us, that we're able, oh, God, to wash it through your word. We pray it for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6 and 7 that to be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be anxious about anything. But... In everything. Everybody say everything. In what's bothering you. In your financial struggle. In your difficulties. In your marital situations. Whatever it is. In everything. Watch this. By prayer and supplication with. 
thanksgiving. In other words, don't just bring the request. Don't just supplicate, which is, is the essence of, of that importunity or, or sometimes to the point of begging. Do it with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And watch verse 7. If we do verse 6, verse 7 is our promise. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I can't, I've lost count. If I tried to tell you how many times I've been going through something, and when I've gone to pray, I've not always left with the answer, but I've left with peace. Prayer like that brings the peace of God. You know what it does, I think? It restores God to His rightful place of sovereignty. Amen. So as we go home tonight, I want you to remember, the closer you get to Jesus, it's not just for your benefit. It's for the benefit of others. They're going to see it. They're going to know it. They're going to feel it. And if they don't yet know him, they're going to ask you. And what an opportunity to share your testimony. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. I hope this month has helped you with understanding some principles of prayer. I'll leave you with one more thing. You can't pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done if you're holding on to your kingdom and your will. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.